0: Get around, get around, I get around, yeah. Get around, round, 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 round I get around, I get Welcome to God is Open. I am your host, Christopher Fisher. On today's mini-sode, we're going to talk about counterfactuals. A lot of times you'll find Calvinists, Arminians, people talking about, well, God knows not only all truths, but also all counterfactuals, what would happen in whatever circumstance. And they'll, they'll point to passages where maybe God is talking to King David. He says, if you go to this city, they're going to turn you over to, to Saul or uh, here in, in uh, Matthew 11, the passage we're going to go over today, Jesus is telling Capernaum and uh, Corazon and Bethesda what, what would happen uh, <laughs> if the same type of activity and preaching that were done in those cities were done in evil cities throughout history. So let's read this. Is Jesus, is he gathering them all together? Is he saying, everyone gather around. I know I just did a bunch of miracles to you and I know I did a bunch of preaching and you rejected all that, but gather around. Let me tell you about how things work. Let's talk about objects and how objects are contingent and uh, there's different uh, inputs that could have led to various outputs and is he giving them a treatise on counterfactuals? Uh, let's read it and then uh, we'll, we'll try to see what the most natural reading is, the most natural understanding of what's going on here. And uh, hopefully we can use contextual clues to do that. Matthew eleven twenty. 20. Then he began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. So he's denouncing them because they did not repent. This is an interesting action for Jesus if Jesus is to know all counterfactuals. So shouldn't Jesus have known that this would not uh, affect the desired results, that these people would not repent? If, if, God, if Jesus... If Jesus knew all uh, possible futures, all possibilities, if if God did and God gave him access to that knowledge, or even if Jesus wasn't omniscient and in, in Molinism, if he had access to God and if, if he's actually able to know these counterfactuals that he's talking about, wouldn't he know that these people wouldn't have, you know, repented? Wouldn't have responded to his call, his his ministry, his miracles? Where most of his mighty works had been done, these this is where he put his focus at and then did not uh, produce any results. So what follows is a denouncement. So what's the purpose of a denouncement? Maybe it's to vent frustration, vent anger. Maybe the denouncement is, as in the Old Testament, a lot of times when Israel is denounced, the purpose of the denouncing was to try to get them to change their activities and do things other than what they're they're currently doing. It's 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 a call for change. It's a call for them to to modify their behavior to avert maybe a coming calamity, maybe to become uh, come into God's good graces. A denouncement a lot of times demands change, unless it's maybe a uh, emotional venting, and that that could be the case too. But is the denouncement, is that uh, uh, object, is it, is it going to be an object lesson about metaphysics and if-then-else conditionals and, and how things would have worked in different scenarios? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. Matthew eleven twenty one. woe to you, Corazon, woe to you, Bethesda, for if the mighty works done... In you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago with sackcloth and ashes. So, what's happening is these evil cities are being picked out and they're going to be compared to um, the the cities, the modern cities in Jesus' time, saying you're worse than these ancient evil cities. So, you notice this one to one ratio. So, Corazon and Bethesda and Tyre and Sidon, each of them match up one to one. Moving on, but I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, you will be exalted to heaven. You will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, a third evil city, compared to a third modern city, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you that it will be more tolerable on that day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. So he's taken three modern cities and three ancient evil cities and comparing one to one ratio, saying you are more evil than this city, you are more evil than this city, you are more evil than this city. So it seems to me more rhetorical than it is a metaphysics lesson. It's it's more rhetorical than it is Jesus giving a lesson in counterfactuals, how things would have definitely worked in those cities on a one to one correlation that Sodom would have been even in, in existence till that day, that it would have survived everything, it would have never become evil again. If, if those miracles were done, at people, people claim this, that Jesus had in his mind the knowledge that all those miracles would have caused Sodom not only to reform all their activities, uh, become good, repent, but also would have enabled future generations all the way till his time to still remain. They're saying that he had those calculations that he made. It just doesn't read that way to me. It doesn't read like he's actually doing the calculations. It reads more rhetorical he's making a point he's insulting them it's okay sometimes to insult your audience especially when you're denouncing them you're saying you are more wicked than hitler you know it, it's an insult and what it does is it it's a device that allows the listener to understand um, the extremes of what you're proclaiming against them it allows them it gives them a, a basis of comparison Something that they already don't like and then they're being compared to that. That's in a play on their emotion in order to get them to uh, be offended. And hopefully offense will bring change. Maybe offense might bring repentance. Maybe it is just a way for Jesus to vent and just to just denounce and be done with. I think Jesus is frustrated. Jesus is angry. Jesus denouncing a hard-hearted people who reject him and want nothing to do with him and he's insulting them is what's going on there jesus insults people people like to think of him as like a stole stoic like a vulcan who never never will make a personal insult against anyone i don't see that at all i don't see that at all sometimes he gets mad at people and he he, he says oh you guys are whited tombstones uh why did things like that you are a brood of vipers very insulting, very insulting, and uh, you know, and people try to gloss over. it. Well, they were, and Jesus could do things that we can't do because he's way above us, and and his is more accurate. And it's like, oh, stop making excuses. Just look at what he's doing. That's what he's doing. He's insulting people. Just just deal with it. That's sometimes what Jesus does is he insults people. But it's weird. The people who take the counterfactual approach, they say Jesus is actually telling. A legitimate counterfactuals if these inputs would have been applied in this situation then that city would have changed well why didn't why didn't those inputs why weren't they used why weren't the inputs that would have caused those cities to repent why weren't those inputs used on those cities right because uh if all counterfactuals are known then apparently we would have known how to get those cities to repent. God would have known. Other uh, prophets should have known. And then even in the current situation with Corazon, Bethesda, and Capernaum, those counterfactuals to get those cities to repent should be known. What would it take? What would it take? This current announcement is, is it like giving up. It's, it's throwing in the towel saying, we're done with you guys. It's, it's too much. What else do we do? You know, and God says that in the Bible. It's like, what else could I have done for you? In Isaiah 5 to Israel, it's throwing in the towel. So you don't get the sense that this is uh, all things considered. Uh, if, if these inputs actually existed in those times, those, those cities definitely would have repented. You do get the idea that, God is doing trial and error with these different cities to see if these cities are going to be responding to different things. And it's very interesting that the cities in which Jesus does his most miracles and the most work, those are the most hard-hearted cities that that don't turn, don't repent, and don't follow him. It's, it's a failure of on the part of someone that a lot of Molinists or even Calvinists would claim not only knows the future but knows counterfactuals how to get people to respond and what inputs it would take to get people to respond what there's no inputs that are possibly available to Jesus and God that would get them to repent I don't quite buy that I don't buy that interpretation of this passage it doesn't read that way if not Why not? Why wasn't, weren't those inputs used? Why wasn't that uh, condition forced out of knowing all counterfactuals, how to get those people to act in those certain ways? The Calvinist interpretation, the Calvinist reading of this definitely doesn't make any sense. It doesn't, it doesn't follow from the text where God predestines everything. And then people talking about other people responding differently based on these different inputs or repenting, repenting. Remember that, uh, The Calvinists don't even believe that people can repent unless they are given that special enabling by God, where Jesus here is saying that uh, these cities would have repented if given different inputs, different miracles. They would have responded to the messages and the actions that they saw rather than the spiritual enlightening that the Calvinists want, anything like that. The same inputs that don't save these people here in Capernaum, Corazon, Bethesda, it it would the same inputs would save Sodom would save uh, Tyre and Sidon right is that the calvinist position is that, is that what they believe all right so just in summary i think it's a very big mistake to take counterfactuals and treat them as if um god was talking in molinism god was talking about potential objects that could be true versus Objects that are actually actualized, and I I think we need to read it like we would a book. I think we need to you put on our literary lens and say, who's the audience? Who's being preached to? What do they believe? What's the message? Who's it coming to? What state of mind is that person in who's giving that message? What's the intended effect of that message on that audience? And would the audience accept or reject it? You know, it just. Just some sort of standard literary reading questions that you would ask of any passage. Audience, message, uh, what what even is the, the author of the Gospel of Matthew? What is he getting at towards us, the modern audience, when we read this? There's a message not only to the people at that time, but there's a message to us today. And the message seems to be, uh, don't be wicked. Look at what Jesus did. Look at the teachings that he gave and believe those messages, because if you don't, you know, you're worse than Tyre, you're worse than Sidon, you're worse than, uh, you know, Sodom. You don't want to be worse than Sodom. That's probably like the worst city that um, the Bible knows. In the, in the Bible, that's probably the worst city. You don't want to be compared to, to Sodom. Anyways, thanks for listening.